Hello world, and welcome to a series of unfortunate sequels where we explore the highs and the lows of cinema's most enduring franchises. My name is Rebecca. And I'm John. And today we are talking about IMDb's lowest rated movie in the Hell House LLC franchise. I just can't believe it's a franchise still. We've never even heard of it. Anyway, it's called Hell House LLC 2, The Abaddon Hotel. And now I feel extra dumb because I remember thinking, I think I knew it was called The Abaddon Hotel. And I, for some reason in my head, I was like, I wonder if the sequel is going to be like about a different place. That's not the Abaddon Hotel. You know, a different Abaddon <laughs> Hotel. I was really surprised that this is actually a direct sequel, including a lot of the characters who all died in the first one. Um, <laughs> or at least video footage of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all also sitting there oh, at the table. Although I don't, they don't move or anything. I, I like to imagine the director was like, hey, I need you for like a day <laughs> to sit silently at a table and just not move. Easy paycheck. That's true. Thrilling stuff. <laughs> um, it, this is a it's still in documentary format, so it gets a little convoluted. I would say more convoluted than the first one, just because they're jumping between like three different time periods for some reason. Yeah, they're definitely there's like you know that rapid fire type debate conversation that mm. they keep jumping back to. They've got the documentary crew who we're following throughout the movie although they're not introduced great so it was very confusing when they were initially introduced and then just like random cuts to other stuff yeah and then one that's in the most future one of the one documentary crew who got out quote alive unquote but if you saw the first one you know how that ends anyway at the very beginning we get some texts saying that this was all put together by someone named russell Wynn. i think it said he was putting it all together for the last two years all i wrote was russell Wynn, two years and i thought in my head i'll know what that means <laughs> that sounds right that sounds like me right Okay, so this starts out with an interview with this woman who was talking about her son, Jackson, who has been missing for one year. I thought this was going to have to do with the plot of the movie. It had absolutely nothing to do with it. I think they just, I think this was filmed later. I think they had the entire movie and they're like, fuck, this is too short. We need another seven minutes or so. Because <laughs> that's all it is. It's just this woman talking about how she got some, like, someone sent her footage of her son's last moments. He, like, broken into the hotel. Also, her son looked like 45, but whatever. Okay, so her son's name was Jackson Mallet, mm -hmm. which I think we can all agree is a pretty fucking cool name. It's a pretty cool name. He died, he died like a real chump for the name Jackson Mallet. Yeah, and then we, yeah, we see him... Let me tell you, that name does not fit the the visage <laughs> nor the personality of well, this man. Don't judge a man by his name, you know. Clearly, um, one thing that I I guess kind of connects to things that we learned later. One of the pieces of footage that Jackson's mom got, there was piano playing in the background. We recognize this as the tunes that are in the first one, that piano music that kept playing. But she recognizes it from, like, a Christmas that they had in 1997 where Jackson was a child and not 15, which is what I had thought he was going to be based on his age. Right. And, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, during Christmas one year, he started playing those four notes on, like, a keyboard. And then he says something like, the hotel will open in 2009. Tell everyone, which I don't, whatever. I don't know. She said that she and her husband cranked up the footage recently and heard a man's voice in the room telling the boy what to say it was weird 
and also has some strange implications, I think, for some of the rules of this horror universe. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really make any sense because later we kind of learn that the the domino effect that got people to come to this hotel uh, was Alex. And Alex is absolutely Alex was the guy who opened the Hell House in the first one, and it makes sense that he's the kind of I, I'm try, I was trying to use a chess term, but no, I don't know the chess pieces very well. But. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically he's he's just a pawn. He's a pawn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, he was used as a way to lure people to the hotel. So what does Jackson have to do with this? Why did the ghost have this kid just say the hotel's going to open in 2009? Once, 10 years before it all happened... And now that, and now and no he one wrote told, the theme song for the hotel. He, he did write the <laughs> shitty theme song, those four notes or five notes or however many it is. Let me just say, they have an opportunity too at the end of the movie to at least tie, like bring this storyline mm. back because they have someone literally sitting at a piano playing that song again at the end of the movie. They did not use the... that guy for that they just had a different random victim of the hotel playing it instead it was probably someone we even knew but there's just so many pale brunetted women in this that have now died and when they do the death makeup on them they all fucking look the same and i can't tell who is who um anyway we finally get to uh an area that we're gonna be jumping back to a while it is a show called morning mysteries with a woman named susan she is interviewing three people one of them is his name was the weenie oh um out Al- not arnold Alfred. tasselman arnold we'll just go by arnold there's so many characters in this i'm gonna do my best arnold is some old weenie dipshit who works for the town and like he's like oh this is all a hoax all this it's given Abbott on a bad day blah 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 uh there's also a guy named brock who is a psychic i just to say right now he's he's like has such a persona of like "Mm, i am a psychic and he's super weird but later he actually has a ghost encounter and it doesn't freak him out at all so he's legit (laughs) i really appreciate that like the entire time this guy's like a legit fucking like ghost hunter psychic uh excuse me not ghost hunter the the kids who go into the house just (laughs) looking they're ghost hunters he is a trained paranormal investigator yeah i mean he is he's right i i stand corrected brock i'm so sorry uh the third guy being interviewed is mitchell he is the one who created the documentary in the first one we'll say i don't know if we see his face at all in the first one i don't think so we hear his voice as Mm -hmm. he's like looking through the footage and he's like oh no there's that that person who we just interviewed she did i just watched her die in the footage i better call (laughs) diane he's the guy who calls diane yeah so diane was in the first one she was the one interviewing people and she ends up disappearing at the very end of the movie it's been two years oh go ahead do we ever figure out how that footage gets out of hell house how did he get it i assume he just went in and got it this is another like um inconsistency with the with how hell house works i'm gonna go ahead and assume that maybe okay (laughs) because the first group that goes in the whole first movie everything happens very slowly like hell house llc the first one really slow burn film like very slow and in this one like we get multiple 
people who like video themselves going into the house and within seconds something horrible happens and they either run away or they scream or they go missing forever. My explanation would be that maybe the house was like tired or it was just waking up or in some way and then when it had like the feeding of the you know 15 people who died or whatever in hell house now it's like ravenous and i don't know really awake like but this isn't mentioned in the movie this is just me filling in the holes Mm. myself (laughs) but yeah because i assume he just walked or somebody went in and get it but we see in this movie that if you walk into hell house you are gonna die within two minutes yeah, very, very few people make it out of Hell House. Yeah, which opens up a whole other plot hole of the fact that they have cops sitting outside and, like, guarding it. That comes up. But one, it apparently isn't working. Everyone's going in anyway. And two, how have they not torn this down? I feel like the city would have had it torn down at this point, or the town. I claim conspiracy. I guess, I guess. It says something that would have been interesting <laughs> to explore. I feel like that entire, like, crossfire-type interview between the three of them, too, was just, like, too real for me. You have, like, the one guy who's just, like, ignoring all the evidence <laughs> and is just like, oh, no, this is... He literally says, this is fake news. This is this is all just a hoax, and I'm going to sue you for even implying that it's real. And then you have another guy who is just espousing actual conspiracy theories. <laughs> And then you've got the guy in the middle, like, how the fuck did I end up here? I literally have video footage of everything. What? Yeah, I mean, we're like, haven't even really getting started on the plot, but not much happens, to be honest. There's a lot of running around, screaming, people disappear at the end. But, um, oh God, where was I going with that thought? <laughs> Sometimes I just start talking and no, I don't I, even know. <laughs> I had an idea. Oh, okay. Uh. I, there's a the main the other main character in this her name is Jessica we'll get to her in a second and she's the you know the scully she's very skeptical I'm a very skeptical person myself so I relate to it I guess like the justification I would have despite having all this physical evidence you know or this video footage there's a lot of fake ghost haunting videos online especially on youtube like you can easily find and like well done like there will be a plot i used to watch them not because i thought they were real because they're like fun horror movies that are done really well that are done documentary style but anyway that's why there's probably people who are like yeah this is fucking horror shit what are you talking about i feel like what's wild to me is that on the news show that they're on Mm -hmm. they had opened the segment by like recording a little snippet in front of the hotel yeah. in like the 10 second video snippet that they were recording they encountered something supernatural like the news station that they're on and the person who's conducting the interview <laughs> experienced something supernatural just standing outside the hotel <laughs> well I'll, I'll say for that yeah they are standing outside the hotel it's in broad daylight it's very stupid there's just like a a person standing there like a hooded person it's not like ghostly or anything like it, it could have just been a person standing there again that's just something you could write off very easily um but anyway the, we we're about two minutes into this movie right now <laughs> because we have so much to complain about uh anyway there are two women watching this interview that mitchell is on right now uh jessica is one of them the one i talked about and then another woman named molly Jessica kind of wants to prove that this is all horse shit. She also seems pretty legit. She kind of is starting a new news blog, but 
her, you know, last story was she uncovered some kind of conspiracy that got, like, 15 senators fired or something like that, which is pretty fucking powerful with the shit that senators get away with. Yeah, and I think the, the impression that I got was that they, they had mentioned that there, there was never any proof that there was anything occult happening here. Um, I think she's probably trying to prove that the Andrew, Andrew Tully... Yeah, Andrew mm-hmm. Tully, the person who owned the hotel, actually did have some sort of like cult going mm-hmm. on. Even, but that's not even haunted. if it wasn't like yeah, yeah, like not a demon summoning cult, but like some sort of suicide cults that practiced the occult. <laughs> yeah, so I think that I think it was pretty well known that there was like a mass suicide there. But anyway, although in the first one it was just that Andrew had commit suicide, but now they're saying that there was a whole bunch of people in the dining room that had killed themselves. I think the director just slapped that in later because he thought it sounded cool, but whatever. Um, We get at this point, like, one of the videos of somebody who had gone uh, into the hotel and recorded it and then went missing, and I had to talk about it because it was a teenager who they said streamed it on Facebook Live, and I gotta say, a teenager wouldn't use Facebook Live if they were gonna live stream something. Instagram, probably. He also mentioned his YouTube channel. He'd probably be doing it live on YouTube then if he had a YouTube channel. But it really made me laugh that they were like, yeah, Facebook. That's what the kids do, right? <laughs> but he had like, oh, yeah, another thing that bothered me about this. Okay, so he's like streaming on Facebook Live. He gets barely into the house and then sees a set of like legs on the stairs. And he's like, oh, sorry, I'll leave. And then he just stands there. And they say that he streamed standing in that position until his phone died. And like... Did no one go to check on him? He's also a child. They like his parents are freaking out later. Did his parents not know he was streaming on Facebook Live? Surely he's friends with his aunts on Facebook Live, and they're <laughs> posting racist arguments. They saw his Facebook Live. Like h- how how did no one? Yeah, unless this vlogger went in here with like ten percent battery. Percent. That just it was, it was so annoying. This is like okay, so this movie had like some genuinely okay moments, but for the most part, there was just like these enormous plot holes for me that were so unrealistic that I just like couldn't get past. And it wouldn't be as bad, I think, because I feel like plot holes in a horror movie, like, yeah, whatever, it's gonna happen. But they go so out of their way to over-explain everything in this movie mm-hmm. that it really just raises visibility every time something doesn't add up. Yeah, that's exactly it. They're over-explaining some things and then just leaving other things completely a mystery. Just in the first one, it was all left a mystery and it was mostly fine, except for them with the financial decision of hell <laughs> why they didn't leave. That was the one thing, but... Yeah, this is like the equivalent, I think, of showing the monster in a horror movie if the monster really really sucks yeah this is the verbal equivalent of that where they over explain (laughs) the phenomenon until the phenomenon sucks yeah they also do get too comfortable with showing the monster over and over and over again and again sometimes it was creepy and other times you were like i saw this lady already (laughs) i once you like show the creepy ghost woman and we linger on her for a long time not creepy anymore i'm like oh we're like friends now this looks normal like (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Jessica and Molly finally do meet up with Mitchell. Jessica says that she has some kind of transcripts. Uh, Some guy, I'm not going to name him because there's too many names in this movie, but a guy who was part of the cult, uh, the suicide cult, but he had been arrested, I guess, for something else. So he missed out on like the suicide that everyone had done. But anyway, she got transcripts saying that there is evidence of the cult in the refrigerator. 
they are like, well, the police would have checked the refrigerator, and she's like, probably, but they probably would have checked the kitchen refrigerator. There's one in the basement. I do gotta say, they probably would have checked that one too, but whatever you gotta tell yourself to get yourself in this house, okay. Specifically probably would have checked that one if you're looking yeah. for missing bodies. The walk-in basement refrigerator instead yeah. of the one in the kitchen? Yeah. The tiny <laughs> kitchen fridge? Yeah, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. So they want to go into the hotel with Mitchell. They want to bring him because he knows the hotel or whatever. It's a really weak reason. And I got to say, if I were Mitchell, I would have been like, no. But they, she does manipulate him a little bit. She's like, you can finally figure out what happened to Diane. And he seems to feel kind of guilty about that, obviously, and like upset that his coworker had gone missing and he couldn't get in touch with her. So. I think they may have been more. I think I think there were yeah. pictures that sh- of the two of them together. Oh, okay, it might have been writing, yeah. Um, I will also say the rationale for why bringing him along was like, oh, well, you know the hotel better than anyone. It's like four um, rooms. Because, <laughs> because he, I guess, edited the footage of the documentary mm. that everybody has now seen, and now everybody knows the hotel as well as he does. Yeah, I mean, I I can see it. He definitely editing is definitely different than watching it as somebody who has to edit a lot of shit. <laughs> I'm sick I, of our voices. <laughs> I feel pretty confident that I could navigate the hotel at this point. <laughs> they do make a point to say that it was intentionally supposed to be convoluted. It was based off of um H.H. H. H. Holmes uh, murder, murder house. house. Yeah, yeah, it was in Chicago back in the day. Um, but yeah, it it is pretty weak and mitchell shouldn't have gone in there as somebody who actually believes that this is happening i will say even me i'm skeptical i wouldn't think that there was a ghost but obviously people are going missing there something is happening i would not go inside i don't understand why people going inside so back on the morning show they play some random footage of just kind of bad abaddon hotel stuff that happens like there's a couple who follow a woman there and they say that only seven of the 15 bodies uh or seven of the 15 bodies were never recovered, I think, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. All right. And then they show that, like, one of the bodies that hadn't been recovered was the person mm. who lured the people to the Abaddon. Yeah, so this is another thing that they kind of, like, very weakly don't establish. The people who kind of stay there, died there, why do some of them stay and some of them don't? And I, why can some of them leave and some of them can't? I have no idea, and also begs the question at the end like he gives a big big speech about how one person has Mm -hmm. to leave to keep the dominoes but like the ghosts are leaving all the fucking time and looking like regular people why do yeah and they and they and i think they kill her too like she doesn't jessica like they show her in the future as she's luring the police there to get more people to go to the hotel to kill them but they kill her anyway so it's not like one person's leaving alive they all die so what? Anyway, we're really jumping ahead of ourselves here because because <laughs> that makes no sense. Because it makes no sense. Okay, so there's four people gonna go in through the back of the house. Jessica, who we talked about, Molly, and Mitchell. The fourth one is David, who is a cameraman. We've kind of seen him a little bit. He's a relationship with Molly. Molly's real freaked out, so they tell her to wait by the car, and they go through a cornfield. The door opens very easily, and when it does, Brock shows up with his own cameraman. He was supposed to meet them, and they thought he was going to be a no-show, but he just wanted a dramatic entrance, I guess. Oh, okay. So this is the first time we actually get a flash of future Jessica. It cuts very abruptly. It was very cool. But we see, like, them going into the house, and Jessica kind of, like, turns around and, like, laughs, and then there's this smash cut of her, like, looking all fucked up and bloodied, sitting, like, at a desk being interviewed. Very good. That was... One good thing I'll give (laughs) to this movie. She's been missing for five days and she tells the police she doesn't really remember and has a bit of a panic attack. 
So back into the past, I guess, when they're all going through the Abaddon, the group splits up. Brock is going into the dining room. Great job, everybody. Split up immediately. Yes. So smart. Yeah. I mean, I guess they clearly don't want to hang out with Brock, uh, which, you know, I get. Especially if you do think there's something supernatural and he's going in there with the express intent of riling up the supernatural. I guess that's true. But I also, if I thought there was something supernatural, I probably want to be with the guy who has experience with the supernatural. So that's a tough one. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I am also a professional paranormal investigator with <laughs> through my time playing Phasmophobia. That's true. I uh, did think about Phasmophobia a lot here, especially when they go to the basement with tiny, tiny little baby flashlights. Why? They've got those starter flashlights. They're the worst flashlights. Get a good flashlight. Yeah, they 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 do not have great equipment for this. Given no, and they knew how they were... well prepared, like or how much time they had to prepare for yeah, this. Yeah, they knew they were going. Like even if you don't believe it's haunted, if there's nothing bad there, you know you're going in a, a basement of a place that has no electricity, looking for evidence. Get a good light. Yeah, bring a mag light, something. <laughs> Anyway, Jessica, Mitchell, and David are going into the basement. They see some writing on the wall in Latin that was not in the documentary in the first one, so it must have been done later. They don't know exactly what it means, but it says something about a door, and this is when I was like, please show us that hell door opening up like they talked about in the first one. That was apparently in the director's cut that I didn't watch. They don't fail me later. It's hilarious. Uh, anyway, they get into the basement. There's a bunch of this. <laughs> There's a bunch of boxes in that giant refrigerator. They all rifle through them with their backs towards the open door into the black, dark, creepy basement. <laughs> and why not? <laughs> in the dining room, Brock is trying to communicate with Tully. He has like, um, oh, what are those called on the Ouija boards? The... I know. I immediately forgot. I know what it's called. And I am abacus. Ab- no, abacus is something totally different. Yeah. Anyway, he just in chalk writes a Y and an N, so he didn't actually bring a full Ouija board. He just has the thingamajig <laughs> and is asking questions. It doesn't go well. They When they walk, before he even starts asking questions, so they walk in, they do a scan of the room, and they're like, okay, all right, yeah, this is, this is where it all happened. Mm-hmm. And then the camera pans a little bit to the right, and there are two nooses hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, and they're both like whoa were those here when we got in here they're like no no i don't think they were and he's like huh that's unsettling all right let's continue on yeah (laughs) even if you okay you're yeah if you're a paranormal professional you have to assume then that this is a bad bad ghost Mm -hmm. right they're not observant at all there's another time so there's a bunch of dummies in the room there's a lot of stuff left over from the you know hell house stuff from the haunted house so they have a pan and they show all the dummies and then they do another one and there's clearly a new dummy there and it's not a dummy it's just like a lady with glowing eyes staring at them and he's just like "Hmm, just the dummy same as always (laughs) anyway they both die and they deserve it We don't know that they die. They're just never seen again. <laughs> yeah, we do get text that says they're never seen again. By the way, like three minutes later, the group we stumbles see on their them. Body. Yeah, they're dead. Like, clearly, they're hanging. It's hilarious. Anyway, in the basement, a clown walks past the door with, with their backs turned towards it. I just, again, instinct. You know, I just think the director, whoever set all this up, 
wasn't thinking about what human beings would do because you would be scared in that basement and your instinct would be, I'm going to face an open door. uh, That's just not, that would happen. That's what would happen, right? That's what I do when I'm in any dark place. Like like my house, my basement, (laughs) if it was dark. Yeah, I also would not have my back to any sort of open area and no one's ever gone missing in my basement. (laughs) That we know of. There was no murder death cult here. That we, that we know of. of. Uh, Yet. And still, yeah, I'm, I'm facing whatever opening someone could sneak up on me through. I intentionally adjusted my office so my desk faced the doorway because I felt uncomfortable having my back to the doorway. It, it seems to me like it's human nature, but whatever. Anyway, uh, they have walkie-talkies. Uh, Molly has one as well. She says that she's there at the entrance and needs someone to go get her. So David leaves to go uh, upstairs. Molly tells David that he told her to come inside. The door is now closed and locked, and David's like, I did not tell you to come inside. Also, if I were Molly and you told me to come inside a creepy haunted house when I was supposed to wait by the car, I'd be like, no. (laughs) But that's the difference between me and Molly. And guess what? One of us is alive and the other one isn't. (laughs) Uh, So... They, they kind of like, uh, okay, so David like tells Mitchell this in the walkie-talkies and Mitchell's like, that's fucking weird. Let's get the fuck out of here. This is the first time I've liked someone in the show so far, <laughs> the movie so far. I do like how Mitchell straight up is just like, all right, time to dip. Like yep. something weird happened. One weird thing happened and now we're fucking leaving right now. So he gathers up all these tapes that they find and they all meet upstairs. They're trying to find an open door and that's when they see Brock and the cameraman hanging they end up upstairs and hiding in a room. This is after much yelling and running around and spooky things around corners. And mm. that's the noise they made. Yeah. <laughs> they go to the door. They propped open. But like there's a dummy there just kind of standing oh, in front of it. And yeah. they're like, all right, well, it's just a dummy. We'll just fucking run past it and exit. And then the dummy moves. And then the door slams shut. And they're like, I, oh, fuck it. Upstairs. I think I'd fucking charge it. Yeah. Or charge at the dummy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he's standing. He didn't look armed. No, he that was, was not armed. Case. Fuck him. Fuck him right sideways. No. And he's like, literally, he's he's leaning against the wall right at an open door with a bright light coming at you. The door does eventually slam shut. But I think I would have just tried to charge it. But it's easy for us to say that here. You would have, though. I know you very well. I don't think I would have. I, I, I'm saying that I would have. I wouldn't have gone in the house in the first place, let's be honest. But But I think you would have charged him for sure. Also, we would have found a way to get... They they try for, like, two seconds to, like, break down one of the doors, but literally the guy just slams his weak, frail body into it once, and then is like, ow, and then they run. Yeah. It was... Kick it! It was not a good showing for the knocking the door down crew. <laughs> You're supposed to kick it at the doorknob. Haven't you ever seen a cop show or movie ever? Uh, anyway, they all run upstairs instead. There was a hilarious line here. Did you write it down? Oh, let me see. Because we're like... It was Mitchell's idea to go upstairs. He's the one who made the documentary in which Diane dies upstairs. Like, that's what happens. She goes upstairs and then dies immediately. I didn't write it down. (laughs) So David's like, yeah, we can't go up there. And Mitchell goes, why? And David's like, because I've seen your documentary. (laughs) And at this point, I was was honestly a little bit like, okay, the house was luring people in. Maybe Mitchell's one of the people who lured them in. That would have actually kind of made sense a little bit mm. in a way, but no, it's not what happened. <laughs> so we flash uh, back to that morning show now that this has happened 
you know, the morning show happened, I think, days before they enter the house. Uh, they start talking about Alex. He was the leader of Hell House in the first one. Mitchell says that he thinks Alex was lured there by the hotel. This kind of comes up a bit later. Back at the Abaddon, Jessica says that the transcript arrived anonymously. I just spelled anonymously so wrong in my writing. Annoy and annoy I like it. <laughs> Shut up. I mean, you have to write so fast when you take notes for this <laughs> podcast. So I added extra letters, obviously. Who's your soy, sir? He's anonymous. <laughs> Because he's annoying, get it? Anyway, Mitchell thinks it was the hotel's, that was also part of the hotel's plan that Jessica was, you know, sent these fake transcripts in order to get them all to go to the Abaddon. David is looking through some old tapes, meanwhile, and sees that Alex is in one of them six months before he actually opens Hell House. So we get to see the tape and Alex is meeting with a mysterious man who John identified immediately, but that's fine. (laughs) It was vulgar. He had a weenie voice. He did have a weenie voice. If you remember the weenie from the morning show. Morning show. <laughs> morning. <laughs> I fucking quit. I quit this podcast. I'm done. Anyway, we don't see him yet, though. On tape, uh, Alex is yelling that he lost a lot of money and it is all this guy's fault. What was his name again? It's not Alfred, right? It is Arnold. Arnold. I keep wanting to call him Alfred. Or shall we insult. call him Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Arnold. Uh, well, no, we don't know. It's Arnold. Hang on. Yeah, Alex lost a bunch of money, and the man says the Abaddon has been in his possession a long time. Alex, you should use it for a haunted house. And that's when Alex makes the decision. This is all immensely unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it kind of answers. It doesn't even really. It, <laughs> like, I was going to say it kind of answers the question we had in the first movie, which is like, oh, what what did Alex do that screwed the rest of the group? And we find out that like, oh, he invested in something using the company's money instead of his own personal money. But again, we don't know what he invested in that all the money disappeared. Like it, it fake answered the question. (laughs) And regardless, it doesn't explain. And how's it this dude's fault? (laughs) It's not his fault. (laughs) And it doesn't explain why Alex's friends stick so close by him either in the first one when they straight up should have just abandoned his dumb ass, but whatever. Again, I'm alive and they're not. <laughs> so back in the Abaddon room, the lights go out. When they're back on, we see that Molly is missing and the door is open. There's a note on the door that says Molly's in the basement with all her friends. So they very, very, very slowly make their way down into the basement. Now... They went upstairs under the assumption that, like, okay, there is a there's a balcony in mm, one of these rooms. Mm-hmm. So if we can make it to the balcony, maybe we can get out that way. We'll be fine. But they're too terrified to leave their room. Yeah, they like they, there was a, there's something out there. Yeah, it chased them like it was a dead lady. So they, there's a dead lady out in the house somewhere chasing people. Uh, that makes them too scared to leave the room. Yet, they do feel confident that they will be able to make it to this clear trap <laughs> into the basement, rescue Molly, and then somehow make it out of the house that they were too afraid of to even walk through the hallway yeah. not minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, they had to get him out of that room, I guess. You know what I mean? And a-, a lot of people are noble enough that they would go down and rescue their friend. 
I'm not... David is romantically involved with Molly, so if it was us in this situation, would you go down for me? Putting you on the spot here? He's staring at me. The answer is absolutely not. He wouldn't. <laughs> it's okay. I don't blame you. I don't know if I, I would go down for you. I'm just doing a real quick risk assessment <laughs> and, and, and probability uh, analysis. I mean, if you can and, uh... get out of the house, you know, I want you to live, honey. Go. Go without me. Leave me for dead. We both know you would. I'll be honest. If I got a note like that, I would 100% assume that you were already dead. That's fair. Although she's not in this case. but She isn't for some reason, despite them immediately killing her. Yeah. I guess they wanted to make it more dramatic. They and by to they, show I mean us the portal. The director. Oh, my God. Okay. So here's the best part of the movie. They all get down into the basement. Molly is in the arms of a dummy. So they're like, okay, we need to go. You know, those clown dummies that are all still down there. They're like, we need to go and open or open <laughs> We need to go and, and get her. So they kind of grab her. She wakes up, starts screaming because she had been knocked out or something. And that's when the pink rave portal opens. <laughs> that's the music I was expecting to come out of the portal. So, yeah, like a portal opens on the wall for reasons TM, TM, TM. And it's pink. Hell is pink. Yep. We learned that. Or that's, it's a bad camera. That's but. why there are at several points people reference the lake of fire that mm. hell is supposed to be and kind of like, a oh, some people refer to it as a lake of fire in a way that seemed to be like, but it's not. And now we pink. know why, because it is pink. It is a, a lake of luminescence. It was beautiful. It, 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 I felt like it would lead me to a David Bowie concert if I were to walk through it. Do you think the techno <laughs> music that's playing down there is just like... That's Those the... are the four notes from the <laughs> piano piece. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, the director finally got his moment of having the portal open that was cut out of the first one. And I got to say, buddy, should have left it out of the movie. Yep. <laughs> Whoever was editing that was like, we cannot include this. They were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's really very hilarious. I laughed a lot. Granted, I laughed a few times already at this point in the movie, but this was like Sharknado level laughter. And that's probably not what you were going for. Looked really bad. Took away all of like the subtle. But, but if you're not going for subtle, then okay. But kind of felt like it was subtle the whole time yeah again I don't know. making a low budget horror movie totally acceptable but if you don't have the budget for special effects don't try it i like, think don't. even if you had the budget to make the best hell portal the world has ever seen it would have it wouldn't have fit in the movie it didn't look good it, it no that belongs in belongs in horror comedies only it was good and drag me to hell it was good in cabin in the woods yeah, it worked in Cabin in the Woods. These are all horror comedy. That that one with uh, um, Ben from Parks and Rec. The one where he uh, his like new stepson is the Antichrist. Do you remember that one? Oh, I think there's like a hell portal in that. Right, right. I, yeah. I, these are all horror comedies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we cut back to the morning mysteries. Uh, they're kind of wrapping up this segment. Susie says that next week they're going to be talking to Wynn. If you remember, he's the one who put this documentary together that we're watching now. He has been getting packages mysteriously um, of like footage. So I think he's being sent the footage that we're watching right now. Um, mm. Mm, but no, because it wouldn't have happened yet. They did say that they were sending him the footage that, yeah, like as they were recording it, he's like, we're, we've been sending him all the footage, including this. <laughs> 
the segment ends, and then the, someone on set, a PA, gets a call from Arnold, who had said that he can't make the interview, and he's apologizing. This, again, makes no sense, really. So Arnold isn't a bad guy. It, maybe it was just, that was Tully. So we know, we know Arnold is Tully, or Tully disguised himself as Arnold. But Arnold exists? Does he look different? Yeah, I guess just, see, we haven't really seen ghosts pretending to, like, be someone else. Be someone else. Like, they've just pretended to be, like, the alive versions of themselves. So, so maybe, I don't know yeah. whether, like, maybe the person who was interviewing had, like, never met mm, Arnold before. Yeah, he's not He's not on camera. Although it was clear, like, it seemed like Mitchell was, because Mitchell yes. was in the middle of being sued by him. He started off the entire segment by saying, like, hey, I just wanted to say, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Mitchell knows Arnold. He's being sued by Arnold because Arnold thinks that Mitchell has made Abaddon look bad at the whole town. So so Mitchell knows what Arnold looks like. He has met Arnold. And yet when, so the next scene, he gets to the dining room. He finds Jessica and Molly tied up. He tries to free them, but a man yells at him not to. So he turns around and it's Arnold. And he immediately says, you're dead. So he recognizes that this is Tully. How does he know it's Tully right away? How is he not like, Arnold, what the fuck are you doing here, dude? I have no It makes no clue. sense. Yeah. Uh, there's a long <laughs> villain rant that's so bad. It is. It was so bad. <laughs> Just the worst. This is could be a nice, creepy setup. They're kind of sitting in a dining room. The original uh, documentary people from the first movie, all except for Sarah, who was the main one, are all sitting at the table. They're being silent. They kind of have a little bit of blood on them. There's a few of other people just kind of standing around. There's very fake candles in the middle that also took me out. So there's like a, a candelabra in the middle of the table, which should have housed real candles. I understand filmmaking-wise why they didn't do it. It's very hard to film candles because the wax melts, but they looked so very dumb. <laughs> It looked like a bad Halloween decoration. And there are lots of candles that, like, have actual flame but non-melting wax. Like <laughs> There's also just more realistic ones. I have some for D&D. &D. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know why they use these really bad ones. Mm. I do appreciate the ghost's flair for the dramatic mm. a little bit earlier here, like, before he gets taken to this dining room table. So he's... He's kind of walking around the hotel having or like, you know, running, trying to get out. And he sees Sarah on the floor who we obviously... No, that wasn't Sarah. That was the actress from the first one. I think. Was it not? Yes, it was. Oh, it might have been. Do you remember the actress? Yeah. The one who gets chained up in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, that was her. I'm surprised. They, they, I think that they actually got that actress again, too, which is interesting. Um, So we see her just sitting on the floor. She looks kind of normal. She's talking on the phone. And he seems real confused, but is like, you know what? Not going to fuck around with this and just keeps walking. And uh, we hear her say, Mom, no, I told you already. <laughs> I'm already dead. <laughs> I'm in. He took me to hell. And now we're taking Mitchell. Uh she didn't have to disguise herself as, like, a living person and have this fake conversation with her mom on her cell phone. But she committed to it. Okay. And I appreciate that. <laughs> it got cheesy real quick. But the initial idea wasn't 
bad. I, I liked seeing this like glimpse into, I think the past, I think that was a conversation that happened where she's sitting there being like, I think Alex is hiding something from us. I'm feeling kind of uncomfortable. I know I just have to get through this job. And then she very casually says, no, mom, I already, uh, no, she's like, no, mom, I told you I'm already dead. It like switches very like abruptly. And I think if it had ended there, that would have been better. Especially if it didn't go into that weird demonic voice. If she just said, I'm already dead. And then he like turned around maybe and there was no one there. Yeah. That might have been more interesting. Or even if she was still there, but like didn't look or like s- the dead version of herself. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she was just like staring at him. I don't mm. know. Like something would have been good. Yeah. And they have a lot of dead women staring at people in this movie. I don't know why he didn't think to do it there. Yeah. We didn't need the exorcist makeup as he turned around. Oh, it was so funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so eventually the villain says that one of them gets to leave in order to lure more people in the hotel. Um, Mitchell does something here. I guess he kills Jessica. I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense to me, but we just hear a lot of screaming as we're looking at a dead piano playing lady. Future Jessica says that she doesn't have any info for the police, but then she smiles and says abruptly that she was at the Abaddon. I don't know why she didn't just tell them that in the very beginning. And then tells them to go there, and then the movie ends. Also, the Abaddon is super windy all the fucking <laughs> the, time. It was mostly just this last scene where the villain was going out of speech. They had very loud wind effect sounds going the entire time. It um it didn't add to the creepy. It did not. Mm-mm. I would say it subtracted, in fact. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel about Hell House LLC 2, the Abaddon Hotel? Um, well, I will say I did have to come down and set up all this stuff for the podcast today all by myself and the lights were off and I was not scared this week like (laughs) I was scared last week. (laughs) Yeah, we talked about, last week we talked about how uh, a lot of horror filmmakers feel the need to shine the light on the monster and in this one he put several spotlights on a lot of very silly-looking monsters. I like the idea of the movie a lot. I liked the idea that this hotel has kind of awakened and is now luring people into it. I don't know why it took 30 years. Maybe Tully was just kind of vibing that whole time. (laughs) They didn't really explain it. So I'm not sure. Despite them explaining so much. I know. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. Uh, I'm fine with the fact that it's a cult leader who is kind of in charge. I think that could be interesting. I think that could be more interesting. In general, it's just a lot of people doing very stupid things. And... uh, Mm. mm. Yeah, it wasn't as good. It had a couple of good moments. It had some good ideas. A lot of them, though, were, were things that had happened in the first one and what made the first one good. Yeah, if you like, if you liked the first one, and you're like, man, I really want to deep dive on the lore of this hotel. Don't. I mean, it's fine if you like the first one. And you kind of want to explore it a little bit more. Then go for it. It's not like horrendously, like offensively bad. No, I feel like I appreciated a lot more about the first one, not knowing all the stuff that he explained about the second one, though. Like, I don't know. I like the mystery. Yeah, I think I I would have liked the explanation of. I don't know, maybe people being lured there. I I don't like how many people have gone missing from Abaddon. Like I've said, now that makes it seem uh, like somebody would have been like, all right, we need to shut this place down and, and like knock it 
knock it down. We need to demolish this place because it's clearly dangerous. Something's going on. But that hasn't happened and that's just a big plot hole for me. I knew right from the beginning that it was going to be too much because one of the first things we see is just uh, Jackson Jackson's footage. Ja- the Jackson's footage. <laughs> He's just kind of like sitting there talking into his camera saying that he can't get out. And there's like a shadow that rises above him and stands up. And I was at no point. It, it happened too fast. It wasn't eerie. I don't know. It was it was the first one was such a slow burn and it was really good for that reason. I'm just thinking about this, but they also Mm. made a really big deal, both in his footage and his text message to his parents, that they're like, they're all here. They don't have eyes. They don't have eyes. They don't have eyes. Everyone has eyes. Everyone has eyes. That never comes back to... (laughs) I even wrote that down. I totally forgot. Yeah, there's a thing. Like, Jackson keeps saying, they don't have any eyes. They don't have eyes. Do you think that was something that they were planning on doing and then ran out of budget? (laughs) They were supposed to to CG all the eyes out and they forgot. (laughs) Diane was missing one eye. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they they were like, oh, shit, that one eye looks real stupid. No, we can't do that to everyone. (laughs) It looked fine. They just put blood there. But Hmm. uh, oh, my God, you're right. That's so funny. Yeah, it just in general didn't it didn't do the spooks as well. I remember the first time I I can remember the first time we see like somebody sneak behind somebody in the first Hell House. It was when he was doing his vlog footage like that. That stuck with me. Somebody walking into the room kind of creepily. But in this one, I think the person rising, I think what made it so bad, a, a hooded shadow was rising above him. But it's clearly like floating like it doesn't look like real human movement at all. So it made it look really comical. Whereas in the first one, the first time you see a shadowy figure, they're like, they're kind of stumbling and walking and it made them look like they were actually there. Yeah. And I mean, they also, they, they have like the establishing facts that like, maybe that is just Sarah. Mm-hmm. Like she's a sleepwalker. Could have mm-hmm. been her. He thinks it's her. It's dark. We can't tell. Like, yeah. is it supernatural? <laughs> Who knows? It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. It was definitely better done. So this one, all right, so so what would we rate it? What would you rate Hell House to Hell House LLC to the Abaddon Hotel? I would rate Hell, Ho- Hell House to LLC, the Abaddon Hotel. <laughs> uh, one, one Brock, professional paranormal investigator. Mm-hmm. He was great. He was a delight. Yeah. <laughs> and one much too real political discourse <laughs> on on public access television and just what seemed like just 300 people in straight up exorcist makeup just kind of staring at the camera yeah just kind of hanging out i don't even know who was who anymore because Diane and then the actress lady and then if Sarah was still there, they all would look yeah. the same. As soon as someone died, they became indistinguishable from all the other dead people. <laughs> but it was only the women. I think it was like the director liked the way the long hair, like that... Um, that ring look. Yeah. <laughs> really enjoyed that look. Because none of the guys were chasing them. They were only only like dummies would. The Anyway. I would rate Hell House LLC 2, the Abaddon Hotel. Um five returning characters and the return of the dummy the dummy was still creepy i gotta say the dummies were still creepy you know what classics never die it's true i'm gonna subtract mitchell (laughs) i i didn't even dislike him i was just like bro why are you here i'm gonna add a molly because she was really sweet (laughs) and i felt kind of bad for her when she died all she wanted to do 
was not be there. <laughs> she really didn't want to be there. And she shouldn't have been there. Damn it, Jessica. I'll subtract to Jessica. She was very beautiful, but... You know what? I'm going to add a Jessica. <laughs> Not just because she was beautiful, I'm but I'm going to subtract a Jessica personality, but no, add no, that no. Jessica bod. <laughs> you didn't even see her bod. <laughs> but I, I saw a lot of myself in her, which is, say, you know, that's not a good look for me. I understand that. But as a massive skeptic myself, I did see a lot of myself in Jessica, and I'm great, so I'm going to add her. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Anyway, that's my rating. Uh, in general, I had okay moments, but it didn't quite do what the first one did, even though the first one was full of just the dumbest people you'd ever meet in your life. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Thank you for listening. Until next time, watch the best. And save the rest for us. Bong, 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 bong. I remembered the notes this time, okay. so last time I just made them up. Oh,